Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with my weekly podcast. Pretty fired up about this podcast because, number one, Ohio State is 8-0, just coming off a 38-7 ransacking in the rain of highly touted Wisconsin. Was Wisconsin overrated? Was Ohio State underrated? We'll get into that as this show progresses with my uh, soon-to-be-named uh, secret star this week of the show and then also later with Boston Ward as we break down some things. I'll have a couple of plays from Saturday's game that I'm going to break down on the video screen, which I very much enjoy. And yes, one of them is one of the four sacks by Chase Young, who's now .5 of a sack away from Vernon Golston's school record uh, 14 sacks for a season. But I digress. Uh, getting back to the Ohio State-Wisconsin game, one of the stars of that game clearly was J.K. Dobbins, uh, who he will tell you with his supporting cast, the Ohio State offensive line. But J.K. Dobbins with 163 yards rushing, 58 yards receiving, over 200 yards total offense against the number one, at least going into that game, the number one uh, defense in the country and number one defense against the rush. And uh, what, what a game, what a performance. It reminded me of a game from way back when – uh, back in the two, back in the 1995 season, when a guy rushed for over 300 yards and uh, scored four or five touchdowns, and 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 kind of similar. Well, I don't know if it wasn't raining, but it was an interesting, interesting game in the old Ohio Stadium before they expanded it. That guy, he, he went on to win the Heisman Trophy that year. The fellow's name was. Eddie George. I don't know if you folks remember him or not. And of course, I'm being facetious. I know you do. And Eddie, uh, by the way, is considered to be my special guest this week. Eddie, how are you doing? Sam, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for, thank you for the introduction. Well, I know if I, to introduce you as a former football player or a rising budding thespian who uh, I think is extremely – I don't know if you're underrated. I think you've gotten great reviews by your acting. But uh, uh, you can star in my life story anytime you want, brother. <laughs> I, I would try to get it right. I'm not going to pull that one off. Bro. Well, it'd be a stretch because you, you have to get my accent down. You know, that'd be the only tough thing. <laughs> the rest of it, man, let's go for it. It'd be like having Dwayne Johnson star as Eddie George. You know what I mean? But uh, – <laughs> hey, real quick, Eddie, uh, you, just your first impressions of this 2000. I know you pay attention. This 2019 Ohio State team to this point with a brand-new head coach in Ryan Day, a brand-new starting quarterback uh, in Justin Fields, and then, of course, what J.K. Dobbins has done to carry on the legacy. You know, he became mm-hmm. the first player – uh, first running back in Ohio State history to rush for a thousand yards or more in his first three seasons on the team. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but just what's just stood out about this team to you uh, eight games in? Well, uh, they've always been talented, you know, under Urban Meyer. I think you looked at the roster. When Urban first inherited this team, they weren't, uh, they didn't have a lot of depth. Um, they had the, you know, really, uh, establish a different type of culture you put his thumbprint on it mm-hmm. i think through the years the cupboard has uh been stocked across the board mm-hmm. uh when i look at this team uh they're playing at a high level a high standard uh, their quality of play uh is, is is a championship caliber play mm-hmm. you know you look at the various units uh from defensive line to linebacker, defensive backs, offensive line, receivers, tight end. They have everything you want. You know, there's not a weakness you can look on their team and say, man, you know, we can attack this area. Um and they're playing focused. You don't see those lapses that uh, we were accustomed to seeing a couple of years back where they came in uh, against a team that they should have beaten by three or four touchdowns and they'll lose. A lack of focus. I think the uh, the locker room is different. Hmm. Um, uh, under Urban Meyer, it was it was a lot high stre- highly stressful. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But under uh, Day, it's a, a completely different locker room. It's more relaxed. Uh, he treats the players a lot like 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 men, but 
they have a deal of responsibility. So they're just dialed in. And I think that they are on a mission to prove to the country that they're the best team in the country this year. In your opinion, what is the what is the one thing offensively that has stood out to you more than any? I, you know, I think the idea of having a dual threat at quarterback again, mm-hmm. but a guy at maybe maybe the best dual threat quarterback they've ever had. You might, I, I, you, I think you might agree with me on that. And Justin Fields, just from a pure talent standpoint, but then also the way he's gotten better with each week. But what what is just the one thing in particular offensively that's caught your eye? It's it's. It's his uh, it's Justin Fields. He is the perfect quarterback for Ryan Day's offense. Well, what I mean by that, you know, Dwayne Haskins had arm talent. I mean, he was just a prolific passer. Uh, he he was uh, well deserving of being winning the Heisman Trophy, in my opinion, with the numbers he put up last year. Yeah, uh, just a dominant force in the, inside the pocket. But for what they like to do, where offense has evolved to nowadays, you have to have a, a quarterback that can extend plays, that can run, that can throw it, and that opens up everything within the offense. And um, and the Fields does just that. You know, he's a he's a he's in between what J what, what, uh, JT Barrett was and Dwayne Haskins. He can run and throw, and he has the leadership capability. So he makes it open. And I think he it's really impacted and affected the run game with J.K. Dobbins. Now you have to account for Justin Fields not just beating you with his arm. But getting on the edge and making things happen um, with uh, in the run game. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, this, this offense is lethal. You know, they have tight ends, they have receivers, they have depth at, uh, at on on the offensive line. You know, and this week against Wisconsin, I was curious to see how they were going to hold up against a vaulted defensive line, the best test they were going to see all year long, and they did fairly well. Uh, they gave up a few sacks here and there. Um, but for the most part, when they really leaned on them uh, through three or four quarters, Wisconsin was not able to hold up, and and that's what I see. It was it was really really uh, approach to how they were able just to to wear down uh, Wisconsin, which was not easy to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, as as I pointed out in one of the plays, I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna break down here in a, in a little while after you're done is. Uh, they even ran the stretch play a couple of times. Almost, almost said we're sticking it in Wisconsin's ear, you know. <laughs> it's famous stretch, but you know the wide zone, whatever you want to call it. And we got out there, yeah. and which gets me to this guy, J.K. Dobbins. You got to watch. You know, you you pay attention. You saw him as a freshman. You saw him last year as a sophomore. Even though he broke a thousand yards, he he kind of struggled in the sense of uh, he was playing with Mike Weber. You know, he his idea was I got to hit a home run every time I'm in there just to show that I'm worth, you know, maybe mm-hmm. being the number one guy. You've seen him settle down this year, play with more patience. And, Eddie, you know, an example I like to use, uh, and, and don't I know you understand what I'm saying. 1994, I watched you, your first time full-time starter, you know, at running back. And I would watch you occasionally just run up into the into the back of, like, offensive linemen and stuff. Like, you were just really just raring to go. And the, the patience wasn't there early. Right. It had developed. And I've told people, man, your senior year, you were a totally different back in the sense of the patience you showed you to let things develop in front of you and to take advantage of it. And obviously, you know, you became the most, you know, the most prolific back in Ohio State history that year from a rushing standpoint, which also led you to the Heisman Trophy. I've seen a a similar development with J.K. Do you, how close am I in an analogy from you from your junior or senior year and J.K. from last year to this year? Well, you're absolutely correct. You know, um, for J.K., you know, watching him, you know, I thought that he was very explosive as a freshman. I, I thought that he uh, had all the ability and capability of being one of the best backs to ever come through the school because mm-hmm. of his ability to hit the home run. Many people miss and and running between the tackles. I mean, he's an asset in the passing game as well. Uh, and you're one thousand percent correct. In fact, that last year was a bit of a struggle. He spent a little time. And again, you know, the offense with the quarterback was completely different. Teams were able to lock in and focus in on um, stopping the run because of the eight man front. They knew that the quarterback wasn't a threat to run or take it on the edge, or take over the game in that regard, yeah. uh, running the football. So now, you know, again, with Justin Fields, it's really helped open his game. But 
that's not, not taking away the growth or the evolution of J.K. Dobbins. It's really allowed him to be more relaxed, be more patient, um, not feel rushed to get a big home run because he doesn't feel like he's going to lose opportunities. He feels now he can take the hard one, two-yard runs and that they're going to only um, – get better as to time wears on as he leaves wears on teams uh, much as you saw uh, last Saturday and uh, certainly throughout the year. Yeah. Hey, uh, Eddie, explain this to me. I've covered football uh, for a long time since 1973 when I first became a sports writer, but I've been playing, paying attention to it since I was like, since 1961. And the thing I've always marveled at is running backs because I know a lot of people get a lot of, a pub for this and that and the other different positions they play. But running back has always intrigued me from the mindset you have to have. It's almost like uh, being Joe Frazier as a boxer. You know you're going to take some licks to get maybe a few uppercuts in mm-hmm. there. And uh, But it's just also amazing to me, Archie Griffin was about five foot nine, 180 pounds when he played. Uh, you looked like a Greek god when you played. Uh, no, no offense, but that is what you look like, you know, six foot mm-hmm. three. 225 pounds, whatever it's your fighting weight. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is five foot nine, 200 and maybe 15 pounds. Yet, what what is the common denominator for all you guys? I mean, I didn't name all of the great running backs I've seen, but is the common denominator is it heart? Is it toughness? What 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 sets y'all apart? You think from the average human being? Well, the, the running back position is very different from any other position on the field. Huh. Uh, the quarterback, outside the quarterback, uh, the running back is going to touch the ball more so than anybody else. Um, and he controls the game. And, and that being said, you know, it's just not about a, a, a skill set of making people miss or uh, just getting the first downs. It's imposing your will. And it's, it's running from uh, a possessed yeah. spirit. Yeah. You know, it's a very spiritual position. So um, I think that's the common denominator. You know, Ezekiel Elliott had it, has it. You know, he runs to impose his will. He'll take over a game. He runs from the spirit. R.C. Griffin, the same way. Yeah. Um, Robert Smith, you know, Raymond Harris, yeah. um, you know, uh, Carlos Hyde. I mean, go, the list goes on and on. Everybody that's had success. At that position at Ohio State, and really, you know, all great running backs, they run with a relentless spirit, and um, it's it's playing linebacker from from, into, from the running back position, but you approach it differently. You're aggressive. You, you seek out punishment. You seek to impose defenders, and um, you wear defenses out, and it, by spiritually taking their will from them. That's yeah. the biggest difference. How about Master Teague the third? Can you see potential? Oh, no, yes. Look, well, no question. His speed is uh, is ridiculous. Once he gets to the open, he's gone. Yeah. You know, he has the size. He has the speed. He's a one-cut and downhill uh, kind of running back. Um, and he's another guy that, you know, I've watched him develop over the last couple of years where um, his freshman year, he he really um, was just a freshman. Yeah. Uh, but now it seems as though the game has slowed down quite a bit for him. <laughs> it's, and he's it's, able to uh, come downhill a lot better. Yeah, that's crazy. How how, how I, you know that that's the great thing about covering college football for me that I've always enjoyed. I remember, you know, uh, I remember giving you some words of encouragement after that Illinois game as your as a freshman. Mm-hmm. You know, when you had a tough, and I don't I don't haven't usually done that, but you could see the potential there. You know, and speaking of linebackers, I just keep remembering when uh, Penn, Penn State was recruiting you, and I think uh, I think Joe Paterno wanted to make you into a linebacker, and I'm just thinking. Man, if if Eddie had gone to Penn State, what would have happened next? You know, <laughs> but uh, right, you know, right. uh, real quick, Eddie, I'll let you get out of here. Uh, what about this team? Does this team have the wherewithal, in your opinion, uh, to go all the way? Uh, and you know what I'm saying. I mean, to be in the college football playoff, to take care of business in the Big Ten, be in the college football playoff. What is your sense of what you've seen of this team to this point? Does it have that capability compared to the other teams? I'm sure you've paid attention to a certain extent to Alabama, to Clemson, uh, to others. What, what's your sense? Yeah, I look at this team. I, I see they are um, prepared and really approaching that point where they're the best team in the country. I think that when you look at their roster, um, they're the most complete team uh, in the country. 
from every position and they're and how they're playing. They're very consistent every single week. This is probably uh, Tim is probably the best defense that I've seen in Ohio State history, and mm-hmm. the and uh, the spread era, so to speak, because yep. you're forced to 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 defend every blade of grass nowadays. You're not playing inside, you know, a, a telephone booth, and you're certainly um, you, the, the in between the hashes type of football that's gone. You're you're forced to uh, protect every space on the, on the field. And yep. this team just seems to, to have done that. They've simplified things defensively. Um, uh, I, I think Chase Young um, is a bona fide superstar, uh, one of the best defensive players I've seen, a dominant defensive player that I've seen in, in quite some time at Ohio State. We've had a few uh, with the Bosa brothers, uh, Alonzo Spellman, uh, Dan Wilkinson, um, the list goes on. Andy Katzenmoyer, you, yeah. you you throw him in that category. He's been very dominant, and uh, I think he's only going to get better. So that being said, you know you mix in the talent um, and the focus of this team and the quality of play, how they're playing every single week. They're, in my opinion, they're on the trajectory to be you know in the 14 playoff. But if they complete the season the way that I think that they can, it certainly could be one of the best teams we've ever seen at Ohio State from. Uh, from top to bottom. I think you have an ensuite. I think you have an ensuite in the Heisman House, you know, those commercials. I think you have an ensuite. Uh, does Chase Young have a shot? I mean, uh, who of this team, if you were starting right now a campaign for a Heisman Trophy consideration, who on this team would you push? Um, I would I would push Chase Young right now. Uh, J.K. Dobbins next. Uh, those two are my 1A and 1B guys. Uh, and the reason I say Chase Young is because he is the most dominant player in college football, period, offense or defensively. Yeah. Um, and certainly, he, he, can, he, he can't score touchdowns right now other than, you know, getting a turnover or interception or a forced fumble. But how he disrupts the game. Mm-hmm. Can he stop the run? Yes. Can he rush the passer? Yes. Um, can he take over a game? Yes. Uh, the check mark across the board. Uh, he leads a vaulted defense. Um, he's gotten better since his freshman year. Uh, and, I, and I think that now he's just scratching the surface on what he can truly do. You cannot single this guy up. I mean, he's changing the way offenses are approaching uh, Ohio State. He's, Ohio, Wisconsin dared him to to rush the passer by singling him up yeah. without any help. And guess what? Yeah. He was disruptive. <laughs> yeah. So now guess what other teams are going to do? They're <laughs> going to they're going to slide to him. They're going to bring tight ends to him. They're going to create an offense centered around not l- allowing Chase Young to be disruptive and take their chances with the other guys yeah. uh, making plays. So that being said, um, I've got I've to lean toward that. I, mean, I haven't seen a defensive player um, – uh, dominate like this since uh, Davion Clowney uh, did his uh, sophomore year at South Carolina. Excellent analogy. And number two, if you watched Saturday, and I know you did, all of a sudden Chase Young's in the middle of the defense. They're, they're moving him around. Wisconsin had to take a timeout because Ohio State knows, you know, uh, Greg Madison and uh, Larry Johnson and Jeff Halfley, you know, c- came in from the San Francisco 49ers as the co-defensive coordinator. They they are thinking ahead of time, I mean, about about ways to keep him singled up if they can, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that stands out. <laughs> Go ahead. And that, and that's the key is that they recognize that, um, and offensive rec- offenses recognize that. If you're Ohio State, you say, "Hey, how do we defend this guy? Yeah, how do we defend this predator?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and based off of that, they're going to say, "Okay, we got to think three or four steps ahead." And they haven't played linebacker, haven't come from different um, parts of the field, and because he's athletic enough to do that, and I think the, his game has evolved to the point where he can take on that responsibility. Yeah. Uh, both mentally and, and physically and spiritually speaking, he, he's prepared for that. So you, you throw that into the mix, and if he stays focused and on and uh, and truly uh, locked in, and he continues to, to to have the games that he's had, especially with Penn State coming up and Michigan coming up as well, two high-profile games, um, he's getting the attention from different voters around the country, different media members that. Hey, he can possibly win the Heisman because he is the most dominant figure uh, force in the NFL. I mean, uh, in uh, in uh, college football, 
And, and if you if you were to look at it, fast forward to the NFL draft, you know, he might be the number one pick in the country. Yeah. So I think when you look at that, if he's that, if he, if he warrants that much respect as the possibly number one overall, he definitely deserves to be uh, uh, number one in terms of Heisman votes because he's the most uh, outstanding player in the country, in my opinion, right now. Eddie George, I really appreciate it. What a slice it's been, man. And uh, uh, keep up the good work and everything that you do. And I always enjoy uh, any of your acting situations uh, to uh, get a – people don't understand uh, that there is life after football. You understood that from the get-go, which always impressed me. And, and I, you know, even like uh, I retweeted a couple things you did earlier this year by, you know, helping out some youth leagues and, and just making people's days by showing up in their lives. And uh, it, it you've got a pretty good life going, right, Eddie? Man, I'm I'm living less life, living my best life uh, right now, Tim. Yeah, um, I, it's it's been truly awesome just with the game of football, how that's opened up so many different doors for me. Uh, the different the, the talents that have uh, just emerged over the years, from acting to entrepreneurship to mentorship. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to be a blessing to others, man, <laughs> and um, that's it. Eddie, you know, anybody can give you an opportunity, but it's what you do with it. And that's what's always impressed me about you. You always take it by the throat. Man, appreciate it, Eddie. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Tim. I appreciate you, man. You got it. We'll be back in a moment, ladies and gentlemen. I'll break down a couple of plays for you, and uh, we'll move on to the Boston Ward segment, one of the other more anticipated segments of this show every week. But like I said, we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is my favorite part of the uh, Tim May podcast, and you'll see why here in a minute because I love breaking down plays. This is Ohio State versus Wisconsin on Saturday, a.k.a. the Chase Young sack attack afternoon, and this play in particular just showed how much trouble Wisconsin had trying to figure out how to block Chase Young. <laughs> in some respects, they – hardly blocked him at all and this play is a great example of that as you can see Wisconsin spread the field to the left side with three wide receivers they've got a tackle set up to to a handle Chase Young right off the bat they've got a running back in the backfield to the left side of quarterback Jack Cohn you got to figure that guy's involved in in pass rush pickup right or blitz pickup but as the play goes on as this play ensues you'll see that really you're trying to figure out what were they trying to do with Chase Young. With Haskell Garrett lined up just to his left, Chase Young is lined up wide of the left tackle, Wisconsin's left tackle. Now, Spencer, let this play run once, and we'll get into the brass tacks of it. Chase Young shoves backwards, cuts in between the guard and the tackle, and uh, it really, I'm not even sure he got a sack on this play because I think Jake, Jake Cohn took one, Jack Cohn took one for the team. Now let's break this down a little bit in little increments here. You can see uh, they're running back to the left of Jack Cohn. You see the, the left tackle is leaning in toward Haskell Garrett, and then the right guard is sitting there. They're both eyeballing the same guy. Uh, but as it turns out, Haskell Garrett makes a move to the inside that the guard has to deal with in the center. And uh, let's run this just a couple of steps right there. Uh, you can see the the, the left guard is taking on Haskell Garrett. The center is eyeballing Haskell Garrett. 
It's, this is going to end up being a double team on Haskell Garrett and a single team on the best pass rusher in college football. 71 has nothing for Chase Young, as you'll see. Chase Young feigns like he's going to the outside, cuts inside, and watch the quarterback, Jack Cohn, see what's coming and take cover. Okay. In the NFL, that's definitely a sack because Chase Young's the first one to touch him after he hits the ground. But what was most intriguing about this play, and stop it right there, Spencer, back it up just a little bit, is you can see the one running back, the guy that can maybe throw some uh, throw some help, some shade the uh, left tackle's way, he decides to step into the abyss, which was the middle and the right side, to looking for a possible blitz, I guess, and he ends up blocking, helping block no one. Back it up and run it, run it full speed one more time. This is unbelievable. Uh, the best pass rusher in college football gets almost a free pass to the quarterback. Now let's back it up to, Back it up one more segment. Right here. Let's run this play one more time and you'll see what I'm talking about. The, 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 the running back steps to the right looking for somebody. Somebody's got to be coming blitzing, right? Tyreek Smith's right here. He's tied up with the tight end. The running back, what's he looking? He's looking. Nobody there, nobody there. He touches no one. Meanwhile, like I said, the best pass rusher in college football gets almost a subway ride to the quarterback. Now let's advance it on through, Spencer, to the next play, which I thought was sort of a pie in the face of Wisconsin. There you go. Uh, that's This is J.K. Dobbins on his way to 163 yards rushing. This is a 28-yard play. And uh, – as it goes, as you can see what this is, it's almost a pie in the face, like I said, to the Wisconsin ethic because it is, in essence, a stretch play to the left side. J.K. Dobbins takes the deep handoff from Justin Fields. The offensive line just fires out in zone blocking, hitting the first man you see, and if there's no man there, go to the second level. You see Jonah Jackson going to the second level right there, number 73, and all of a sudden the, the – uh, the defense parts, and J.K. Dobbins shoots through. I mean, what a tour de force as this as this game developed. What a tour de force by the offensive line and J.K. Dobbins going against a team that reputedly had the best offensive line, the best running back maybe in college football. I think J.K. Dobbins and the Ohio State offensive line uh, uh, put, a, put a stop to that talk. Let's back it up one more time and just really sort of enjoy watching an offensive line get the job done against the number one rush defense in the country, at least going into the game. Stop it right there. Everybody's got a man. I mean, it looks it looks like the only – probably the only person that could stop J.K. Dobbins on this play would be one of his own offensive linemen, maybe him running into him. <laughs> but as the play develops, all you need is a scene for J.K. Dobbins. And always, you know, as my, as my guest Eddie George and, and I were talking about earlier, these guys are running back – has to have speed, he has to have guile, he has to have vision. But you know what? You got to have guts. <laughs> you got to have guts to cut it up into like a gauntlet like this and to know that there may be sunshine uh, on the other side. J.K. Dobbins has proven, along with everything else, he's got guts to be a big-time running back in major college football, and that's why we're talking about him so highly now. I think he's played his way at least into the conversation uh, definitely for best running back in the country. He only he only trails Chuba Hubbard of Oklahoma State right now nationally. Trails him by like 150 yards. And But what a huge game for J.K. Dobbins, 163 yards, rushing 58, I think, receiving a couple of three uh, big-time receptions in that game that kept drives going. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is starting to have a hell of a year. Anyway, that's my uh, two plays for the – for the week, and I appreciate you watching. And we'll be back in a moment with Boston Ward as we look at what Ohio State uh, has going for it as it heads into this off week, its second off week in, in three weeks, and then where they can move forward uh, headed toward what looks like a sleeper schedule before they take on Penn State and Michigan to wrap up the regular season. We'll be back in just a moment. And we're back. Uh, Hello. Boston, you got to see my Boston Ward here magically appears on my set at this time every week. Ooh. So really, it shouldn't be a big surprise. Uh, you heard my <laughs> conversation with Eddie George yeah. and, and especially at the what end of what, what he thinks of Chase Young and his Heisman uh, possibilities. I mean, like he pointed out, 
if people are projecting you as possibly the number one pick in the draft coming up, you keep making plays like you did on national television as you as you as we've talked about the most highly rated game of the week last week. Ohio State's thirty eight to seven as I call it, ransacking in the rain, uh, romping the rain of, of Wisconsin, the number one defense in the country, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's great running attack with Jonathan Taylor. If you keep racking up kind of appearances like that, you know, it's not that as far-fetched as it may have looked about six weeks ago of Chase Young not only being in New York <laughs> City but possibly being uh, definitely in the running. I'm – I'm glad that I started driving the bandwagon like six weeks ago and everyone thought I was crazy uh, to say that he was the best player in college football that he needed to be in the Heisman race. But you've heard me say that a bunch of times. I really, truly believe that at some point a defensive guy is going to break through. And why not this guy? Because he is undoubtedly, 100%, bar none, the most dominant player in the sport right now today. Now, there's still a well, month. When still, an Eddie George says that, you know. Well, it doesn't matter as much if I say it, but yes. No, other other people, right. you know. I'm with you. The, you the, you the have backing now. The broadcast crew on, on Saturday, uh, the Fox crew, the big noon guys, they were effusive in their praise. You had, obviously, Urban Meyer's going to back him, but, you know, the players that were there, Reggie Bush, Brady Quinn, Matt Leiner, Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson talking throughout. These guys have Heisman votes, and now they're talking about Chase Young being number one on their ballot. That matters. I mean, you vote. I, for whatever reason, I haven't got mine back in Ohio. I've lost it twice, had it in Wyoming, had it in Tennessee, don't have it in Ohio, even though I've been here for eight years now. Whatever, I don't care. Uh, that just means that I can sit here and talk about Chase Young's candidacy even more without it being on my ballot. I, I believe that he should go to New York. I still don't know. It would take probably another game like Saturday, maybe even you know against Penn State, Big Ten Championship game if they get there, to probably win it. Because the quarterbacks are always going to have that built-in advantage. Uh, another one, uh, you know, whether it's Justin Fields whether or his own teammate, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Burrow, what he's doing, if Tua can play through the ankle injury, whatever, quarterbacks are going to make it tough for Chase Young. But if he's mm-hmm. not in New York, there is something seriously wrong. Something seriously wrong here. What's that What's that from him? Uh, uh, Bill, Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> bottom line, I agree with you. Uh, this is what's funny about defensive – players though and defensive ends in particular I've always said they've kind of got a luxury going for them which is you make three or four plays a game and people notice yeah you know they that may be the only three or four plays you make in the entire game now that's not Chase Young was a factor all day he was a factor against the run he came from the backside and tackled a a, a possible play to the left side, uh, you know, of Jonathan <laughs> yeah. Taylor early in that game. What about the screen? Yeah, on the screen, he blows up screens better than a, than a wrecking crew on a, on HGTV show when they're re, <laughs> redoing a house. You know, I mean, he just blows up screens for a living, and it's it's crazy uh, what what he brings in that regard. But the point is, they are impact plays. I mean, the two strip sacks. He didn't just sack people. No. I don't know, how many strip sacks has he got now? Is it six? I think it's. I think it's five. Five. But yeah. Could be six. Um. I mean, and those affect those turn those flip games. And that's when I had that conversation two weeks ago. Now, during the previous off day with Larry Johnson and Chase Young, they're like, you know, they're looking at ways that he can improve as a pass rusher. He never stops. So, well, yeah, you can impact a game uh, with a sack, and they're big. But how can you really change the game? And they said, well, the next step for him is a strip sack, and that's like. The thing they wanted to add to their arsenal, you know, you see him sometimes where he's not going for a kill shot on the quarterback, and he could, uh, and you've seen it. He's He is targeting the football. He wants to get the football out more than he wants to make vicious contact with the quarterback, and sometimes he misses sacks because of that. I think uh, whether it was uh, – what was the one before the off day? I'm trying to think back. I know Michigan what you're talking State, about, that. Yeah. Michigan State, yeah. where he, he whiffs on a couple. Maybe it was even Miami of Ohio. But sometimes he misses them because – he wants to get that strip sack, and he knows even if he misses that teammates are coming. Yeah. And so the, his ability to get those, uh, if he scoops one up and scores another Heisman moment, I mean, that'll that'll clinch it. But the way he plays against Penn State and Michigan is going to determine it. What I think would be really funny, bear watching, because you know that Jerry Emig and the SID department, they can't pick one of these three guys. But let's say Ryan Day like gets really into it, puts him in on offense, tight end. Has Justin Fields throw him a play action touchdown or something? Maybe sometimes that's what it takes to really kick it into another level. Well, that I'm I'm from the camp. The, 
if you had to label me, I'm from the why not camp in that regards. Like I told you last week, I don't know why you don't put Dewan Jones in the backfield on short <laughs> yardage, you know, just for the fun of it. But just to see what happens when you yeah. <laughs> Dewan Jones coming in there behind Thayer Munford and uh, Jonah Jackson and Josh Myers off the left side or behind Wyatt Davis and uh, Brandon Bowen on the right side, that would be that would be a defense having to handle uh, more than more than half a ton of of humanity right. before it ever gets to a five foot nine, two hundred and fifteen pound J.K. Dobbins. I mean. I don't understand why you don't do stuff like that. Yeah, and, and especially, you know, they're never going to admit this publicly, but when you're playing Maryland and Rutgers, the, the Heisman voters are going to think, oh, well, you got two sacks against Maryland, so what? You yeah. got three sacks and a half against Rutgers. Lots of guys can do that. So if you want to get attention on this guy in games that Ohio State is going to absolutely dominate, do something creative. If you if And they don't have to do this. Like, it might not be that important to Ryan Day – uh, or Larry Johnson to send Chase Young to New York, although I think it is. They want him to go there. Uh, do you do it at the expense of the other guys on offense? Yeah, you could maybe see it that way, and you're, you're you're treating him differently. But he is different, and this is a rare opportunity to send a defensive player to contend and win the Heisman. This is Think about the feather in the cap this would be for one of the great defensive line coaches of all time, Larry Johnson. Oh, my goodness. Who all he's gotten is praise rising building praise since he's been at Ohio State and yeah guys have to show up with the raw material I mean the Bosa brothers showed up with the right stuff Uh, I'm getting into my favorite movies and books (laughs) but the Bosa brothers showed up with the right stuff Uh, so did Chase Young but in a different way Mm -hmm. and there is no doubt if you watch Chase Young as a freshman and you watch him today how much his game has changed under the tutelage of Larry Johnson. And number three, if you're really paying attention to college football and the guys who make a difference, you can't argue with the idea that a man who has the ball in his hands on every play, the quarterback, is probably the most important player, the most important player on your team. Sure. Doesn't necessarily make him the most valuable player on your team, but he is the most important. But then as you push back and you look at guys who change games, like Eddie George was talking about, he changes. Chase Young has changed some games right right in front of your eyes with a blocked field goal attempt, for example, earlier this year. I mean, he's really into all of that. And then if you could just – but here's the thing. What's really set up, and Eddie George was talking about it, he wouldn't. He didn't say this like, like I'm going to maybe uh, more succinctly. He had that great moment. The great moment on national television where he has four sacks, mm-hmm. gets within .5 sack, point, a half sack of Vernon Golston's season record of 14 mm-hmm. set in 2007. He's had that moment to get everybody's attention. Yeah, these next two games after the off week are going to be cruisers, you would think, for Ohio State. But you talk about premier marquee games hosting Penn State, playing at Michigan. When you know Michigan, the way it has bounced back now, Michigan is going to be desperate to beat Ohio State for the first time mm-hmm. under Jim Harbaugh and for only the third time since the 2000. I mean, are you crazy? That's gonna, Those are going to be marquee games, yep. and that could be followed by, if Ohio State takes care of business, playing in the Big Ten Championship game for the third straight year. That's, that's called a great stepping stone to New York City and the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony if – Chase Young can continue to take care of business. And I, I was thinking when you were talking about the, the most important and the most valuable, there's never any doubt. Everyone knows how important having a quarterback is, and that's why this award has skewed towards that. But I just looked back one year ago, and what happened when Nick Bosa was removed from that Ohio State defense? He turned out, I mean, through two and a half games and the touchdown and, and the sacks and the four fumbles, he was, he, there was some of that Heisman talk for him of course. in September. And who knows what he could have done if he'd stayed healthy. Uh, especially if Chase Young had got healthy as that season went on and they were playing out there together, what could have happened for him in, yeah. in a Heisman push. But you, when you removed him from that Ohio State defense, everything crumbled. Everything was built around that one guy. Uh, so when you talk about the importance, sometimes it can be the defensive guy and not the one who touches it every, uh, every snap, but uh, it's more rare than anything else. And, and that's yeah. uh, you make a, a great point there. And it's even hard now. You know, when you look back at what Eddie got to do and the number of times, the volume of touches he got in the carries, J.K. Dobbins doesn't even get that. Uh, he also has to do a little bit extra to stand out, even when he's getting around 20 carries a game now. So it's it's tough, man. If, yeah. you're, if you're a running back or a defensive end, 
that's a big hill to climb, but but these guys are both doing it. But like I said, the only thing I'm pointing out is the opportunity is going to be there for him to impress the voters. Yep, you're right. Yep. Now you have to go get the job done. You know, and getting back to what you're talking about there is you're, you know, we keep talking about Chase Young, this and that. I'm telling you, the development of Devon Hamilton and Jay Sean Cornell, the 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 attention Haskell Garrett's come along that way. Tommy Togi, Tommy Togi, BB yep. uh, Landers, the energy he plays with though. That has enhanced the Chase Young effect because there were times Saturday again that ransacking in the rain. I like saying that because it sounds cool uh, against Wisconsin. In when Wisconsin rain. seemed more concerned with Haskell Garrett or Jay Sean Cornell or Devon Hamilton than they were Chase Young because Chase Young's out there on the edge. You know <laughs> these guys are right in our face, and uh, that I'm telling you that's that that. That front is playing like Eddie George said. That may be the this may be the best defense he has seen at Ohio State. Uh, definitely in the what you call the spread era, the wide open era, it probably is the best defense Ohio State has put on the field. I thought I thought Saturday was one of the best games from BB Landers that I could remember, uh, and he he's had a hard time getting through injuries and being healthy. I'm not sure people even really understand uh, how much he's been banged up trying to get on the field, and that's kept him. In some games from being part of that rotation as as much prominently or as prominently as he wanted to be, but you went through those names. I mean, Cornell is somebody that I think people always want instant the instant impact. Who's the freshman that's going to play? And five years ago that was Cornell, and it didn't happen until now. Ohio State does has benefits greatly when they have these seniors take the next step. Look at Brandon Bowen. Look at Jay Sean Cornell. Uh, I mean, look at what, what's happened to some of these other veterans. Jordan Fuller is a senior. He showed that great promise a couple of years ago, took a little bit of a step back. Having seniors on your team is good. <laughs> it, it, like, I, I, and this team has it, right? They have yeah. that 2017 recruiting class is one of the greatest in, in college football history. That doesn't mean that the next year they're going to be ready to play. So they have guys that are in their second year that have the experience, but they also have some veterans who stuck through some growing pains and learned how to do it and are now really performing at a high level. They have the perfect sort of mix mm -hmm. of experience and young talent pushing them from behind and, and ability to rotate. People seem to hate that. Like, why is Tough Borland on the field? Or why are they playing six wide receivers? Because they're all good. Plus, they have this. They have experience. They've become smart football players. The more experience you get, the smarter you look. Number three, uh, you know, you're just – I'm just sitting there beaming like a, you know, like a proud father that just had his first kid because um, I keep reminding people about this team. Yeah. It wasn't just the stars. It wasn't just the freshmen who've come in, like Garrett Wilson and Jameson Williams, by the way. Who's going to play? I keep saying he's going to play a bigger role as it goes on. He had a couple chances um, out there where a field season. Yeah, Zach Harrison, who's rising now into the because of partly because of opportunity, but now he's showing uh, why he's considered a five star yep. a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but but you've got these guys in between these these embedded players, as I've called them, who are rising to the fore in their junior and senior years, and you're seeing the fru the fruition. Of, of a big-time program. Damon Arnett is a much better player than he was a year ago. He may not agree with that, but I don't <laughs> – he, he actually does. He, Jeffrey Okuda, without a doubt, is. I think Jordan Fuller's better, even though he was damn good last year. You're Tough Borland. People like to rank on Tough Borland. Malik Harrison, I mean, he's a quiet, big-time factor yeah. <laughs> is the best way of putting it because he makes two or three plays a game where you go – Man, how can he – but the reason you don't dominate every play, just like Chase Young doesn't dominate every play, is sometimes the play doesn't come your way, yeah. you know. But he's playing his responsibility. And when – I mean, his first tackle last week uh, on, a, on a wide wide play, Wisconsin's first uh, possession out on the edge, and uh, you and Zach Boren broke that down in your little thing, but that set the tone for the day. Yeah. It was third and short, and Ohio State stoned him. And Malik Harrison, you know, with a with the help from his friends, Tough Borland. So that's what you're seeing about this team, which is why it has legs. It has legs in this college football playoff race, and I think it's going to take them places. I wish that one time I could successfully get Tough Borland to say I told you so to people or uh, acknowledge the criticism and pat himself on the back. He does have that little bitty smirky Some, smile. Sometimes, sometimes he smirks about it. it he – He's one of the hardest nuts to crack in interviews that I've I've dealt with in a long time. 
I'm think he's like John Simon level uh, private and difficult to deal with, and and I just want like one time because I, I think it was last week or two weeks ago on your show, I I got a little heated about the criticism Borland was taking and why he was out there, and right. why he's so important. And Saturday was pretty good validation for that, you know, for me for taking up for him. So I can't even imagine like the sense of pride that he must feel. He must, because Damon Arnett is a guy who did acknowledge that in, in August during preseason camp when he said, you know, I thought I was good, but I looked at the tape. I knew I wasn't. People told me that I wasn't, and I, I recognized the criticism and got better. So, like, Tough Borland, somewhere within him, like, I want to know his true thoughts on it because yeah. he's got yeah. to be immensely satisfied with the way he's playing. You know, if you and I were starting a SEAL Team 7 from guy, I mean, John Simon would be on it. Yeah. Uh, tough Borland would be on it because you know number one they're going to do they're going to do the job and then some they're going to be and but they're going to keep quiet. The about secrets it. are going to the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devon Hamilton would be on it. I mean Devon Hamilton, man, watch him work, ladies and gentlemen. Watch him work in the middle of that defense. It's uh, it's it's a factor big time. And uh, but yeah, those guys would be on it because they don't care what you think. They don't even care probably what their teammate. They just do their job, try yeah. to do their job. Tough Borland had some tough times last year, pardon the pun, without a doubt. You know why? Because he'd had, he'd had his Achilles tendon yeah. repaired. And he was playing for a – Four a, months a, earlier. He was playing in a horrible scheme and getting terrible fundamental exactly. instruction day to day. So, yeah. A, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of that, yeah. That that stuff's over. Yeah. As Jeff Halfley told me, yeah. stop talking about last year. Okay. Yeah. The hey, uh, the uh, <laughs> the chickens are out of the barn on that uh, yeah. aspect. I mean, I think everybody can see what's happened. Let's get to that real quick. Sure. And then uh, we're going to talk about the offense next week and what we see coming along because this is kind of the, taking its own little synergy here, this conversation. <laughs> uh 4-4-3 four, four, to start the game, mm-hmm. number one. There's some thinking going on. Like I was talking with Eddie George about that. There's some thinking going on on that side of the ball, creative thinking uh, within a tough scheme. Uh, Greg Madison, Larry Johnson, Jeff Halfley, Matt Barnes, uh, without a doubt, I mean, Al Washington Jr. puts four linebackers. They put four linebackers on the field. I Every week, I get more impressed by this coaching staff, the the coaching staff that Ryan Day assembled. He had to assemble with one old piece, Larry Johnson, mm-hmm. old as in, or leftover, not old as in aged. Yep. Uh, although, <laughs> it's funny because I think if you put him and Greg Madison together, uh, <laughs> they probably add up to older than everybody else combined <laughs> on that coaching staff. But I digress. No doubt about the creativity and the flexibility going on with that coaching staff. And Chase Young, uh, stand-up, walkabout linebacker, however you want to phrase it, moving him around to get matchups, it's it's terrifying enough for a, an you know a defense, an offensive tackle to try and slow him down. But now they're letting him pick an alley. He's going one-on-one against a guard. Uh, good night. Uh, they hadn't shown that all season. They saved this up until the Wisconsin game. Shows you that they've still got more tricks that they will put up their sleeve heading into the last four weeks. Well, they're going to have three weeks to prepare for Penn State. So who knows what else they'll show. Justin Hilliard uh, rolling out there as the outside linebacker in that 4-4 that you talked about. I think that was on the first play of the game. I turned to you and I said, there's that 4-4, and Justin Hilliard's out there. It's like, okay, well, let's see, because this is a, we just talked about Tough Borland's Achilles injury. I did not think he would play this year. I didn't either. And he'd been back, you know, I think. I thought he was done, actually, yeah, I, with all the injuries he's had. There was, you know. I've got a story come, coming there was about some, him later. There was some potential that uh, you know he could have been a graduate transfer if he'd stayed healthy through spring uh, and he wasn't maybe going to be as prominent in that you know it never got to that point um, and Justin Hilliard loves Ohio State but it was an option for him mm-hmm. and he and he's somebody who had wanted to play for so long and he's not going to be a starter for this team that was never going to be in the cards except turns out that he is he's in a four or four and he's got to start under his belt and he makes a big tackle for loss. you know, it flashed through my mind when I watched that first that first play and they're out there in that four four is there's Justin Hilliard on the field, and there's Jayshon Cornell. Those guys both committed on the same day. I remember because <laughs> we were I went down to the Justin J- Justin Hilliard's uh, commitment down there, Cincinnati Xavier, mm-hmm. and we got uh, uh, Jayshon Cornell on the phone later uh, that you know just after that ceremony, and they were big buddies talking about and becoming factors on a big time Ohio State football team. Look at them now. I mean, I that, think- that's just. You know, those are just little snippets where you think back, like I said, about rising talent. Give it time. Sometimes wine becomes pretty nice yeah. if you give it time. 
Sometimes it turns rancid, <laughs> but most of the time, it, and it, this has turned out to be a really nice. Uh, well, the, and here's the thing: like Ohio State is not vintage. shopping on the bottom shelf for these wines. So if you have somebody <laughs> who is that's a good line. a four or five star guy, yeah, most of those are going to age pretty nicely if you yeah. if they have the patience. And I'm not just talking about the players, but the coaching staff as well, because you know how that works. It's got to be a two-way commitment for them to stay for that, that five years. So, you know, these coaches know what they're doing. Most, 90% of the time, the talent evaluations on the four- and five-star guys tend to be correct. And if they have the right head on their shoulders, and then you give a Larry Johnson, uh, or in this case, you know, Al Washington starting to get his crack at it, uh, you know, these guys' ability to work with really talented people who have experience and four-plus years of working with Mickey Marotti, holy smokes, this I, is the kind of stuff you get. I told Justin Hilliard that that play he made out on the edge where he beat the blocker. You know, the tight end was supposed to come out and get him, yeah. beat the blocker, and then gets, uh, I think it was Jonathan Taylor out on the edge. Uh, matter of fact, I think you and uh, Zach even broke that play down. Mm-hmm. I, t- I, t- I told him on Saturday after the game, I said, that was a flashback for me. And he goes, uh, I said it was a flashback to your highlight videos from high school where all of a sudden – there was this flash, pardon the pun, out of nowhere, and here's Justin Hillard coming 100 miles an hour to make a play. Right. Uh, like a heat-seeking missile, he was not going to miss. And that's, boy, as that comes along, see, those are things that are rising in, on this defense that Greg Madison, Jeff Halfley, Al Washington especially, are paying attention to guys who are coming of age right before our eyes, some of them later than other guys. And you're right. These are not bottom-shelf wines here. <laughs> this is this is mid-level, top-shelf that is aged. And it's the same situation. I just like that analogy. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm using it way too much oh, now. Oh, I'm glad you set it up. I mean, No, you – yeah, but you went with it. Took it home. That's you, what you shopped. You, went, you took your shopping cart. It's the one-two punch out here. But the same thing is true for Baron Browning. Now, he's not a fifth-year senior, but – He's a five-star talent that took some time and needed the right fit. There you go. And now look what's happening to him. Uh, you can you can find these examples all over the roster. And if it sounds like it's hyperbole from us or gushing or you know about this team, well, I don't know what to do about it because they are the most complete team in the country. And there are a bunch of stories that you pick, you look around, and they 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 feel good. Uh, Justin Justin Hilliard going through was it both biceps and yeah. and Achilles and it's such bad luck. Him fighting through that and getting back on the field, making a tackle for loss against Wisconsin and a Heisman Trophy candidate, I'm, that you don't have to like you don't have to be a robot to cover the team. You feel good for kids like that. Bad luck is missing the bus. For sure, we're talking about excruciating yeah. coming back from painful situations that put your entire college football career in jeopardy. You know that's got another. Uh, that's that's definitely not bad luck. That's <laughs> just like. Uh, Cursed. Yeah, but it's also, wow, what yep. kind of guts have you got, the toughness you've got, and then you get back, you know, you're you're pretty much driven, I think, too, at some point in your career to show you're not a bust, you know, that you are not, these these things were not going to keep you down. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you're going to be a factor. Yep. And what, what better time to have a five-star finally, finally being a factor than in his final year and making plays happen. And, and, and that's you see this a lot with Ohio State now because – for all the talk about wanting to play the true freshman right away, and they 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 make an emphasis on it. You're looking at Dewan Jones potentially doing that, so it should be maybe six or seven guys that are going to go through. Yeah, but he wasn't a five star. He no, was no, just, no. He know, was like but, when they signed him, like well, the, Berm said, yeah. uh, "What? <laughs> that now. one? That one's a surprise." Like you know, yeah. Garrett Wilson's going to play, but you look through. I mean, Terry McLaurin, Johnny Dixon, Chris Worley the year before that. You, you keep looking through, and these guys. You know, they're not always five stars, but four or five star guys that are redshirting and staying through the fifth year. Mm-hmm. I know everybody wants to see the next big thing come out and perform, but often, often it's not the best thing for their development. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson is a special case. Jamison Williams' speed is is certainly unique, uh, and, and now it's turned out with Dewan Jones, they could maybe do some creative things that have them thinking about that opportunity. Zach Harrison is a physical freak. Th- that's the one percent, you know, and and it. It helps that Ohio State can recruit in that 1% more than other teams. But for most guys, even a second-year lineman, Nick, Nick Petit, Petit Freire. Nicholas Petit Freire. I'm trying to get it better. I'm sorry. Um, it takes time for them to get good. And it, when you have the patience, that's what you want your program to be. Ohio State doesn't want to be a team that from year to year is relying on the ups and downs of 18- and 19-year-olds. If you get 21- and 22-year-old men out there who've gone through Mickey Marotti's mat drills four times, 
you're going to have a damn good team. And that's what they have right now. Ryan Day inherited a great situation. And Ohio State didn't upset the apple cart there with what Urban Meyer left. So it's it's not just Day. He's helped the offense. But the fact that you have Pantone continuing it, Mark Pantone, to, Manto, Pantone, I'll get it right. I'm just now I'm thinking about Petit Ferret. I know you're thinking about 20 names at once there. Mark Pantone, Ryan Stamper, Mickey Mickey Marotti. The fact that all those guys are still there in the program, you you inherit the riches of these four and you know four and five year guys who've put in all the blood, sweat, and tear equity. That's what's so special about this team yeah. right now. Yeah, that's that's just the bottom line. Yeah, and then you know offensive line like you talk about Brandon Bowen, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers. You know they didn't know what to do with Josh Myers at the beginning. Right. I mean Jonah Jackson. I mean, we talk about Justin Fields and his transfer, Jonah Jackson and his transfer, or just as big is him, maybe not as impactful, but pretty damn close. <laughs> you know, Thayer Munford yeah. proving all the doubters wrong just because he had to switch schools in his high school and everybody forgot about him. Now you look at him, Josh Allaby, whether he'll come back from his little puffy knee, uh, remain not little puffy knee, his puffy knee situation remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, it's right on down the line. There are guys stepping up who have put in the time put in the work, dealt with hardships. And, uh, you know, we're going to be back. When we come back next week on this podcast, we're going to talk about the offense, what we, what has really stood out to us from a development standpoint, like we did a couple of weeks ago during the off week, but we've seen even more. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Just two games were very eye-opening against what I thought were pretty stout defenses. I mean, in a row, they've played against Michigan State, Northwestern, and, uh, and Wisconsin. And the point of that is, yeah – Two of those teams aren't very good. The other one, there's a little bit of question mark about now. Although I think Wisconsin is pretty damn good. Yeah, I think. But but I, those are three defenses set up to stop the run, make you force you to go the hard way. And Ohio State has rooted all three of them out to get a big time running game and augmenting it with a passing game. The steps that this team has taken offensively are ridiculous. Let me ask you this before you before you shut it down for the day. Do you believe that Wisconsin? Will still come out of the West. I think it's really interesting because uh, I think Minnesota still has to play Penn State, if I'm not correct, right? Yeah. Really, Minnesota, really Minnesota's toughest schedule is November. Uh, yeah. Without a doubt, eight and zero for the first time since 1941 or something ridiculous like that. Uh, yeah. Everybody makes fun of PJ Fleck and the row the boat. <laughs> the guy got it done at Western Michigan. They got it. He got them to a CFP. Uh, game mm-hmm. before he left for Minnesota. There's so much flash about him uh, that people kind of get lost the fact that evidently there's some substance there yeah. big time. That team is playing extremely well right now. They've discovered offense with Tanner Morgan, their quarterback. You know, they lost their number one quarterback in preseason camp, the Anikstad kid. Yep. And you're going, wow, they're they're done. They figured out ways to win those first three games, <laughs> especially that Down Fresno State wire. game. Holy cow. Oh my goodness. Now, all of a sudden, now who are they blowing out? They blew out Maryland. <laughs> you know, the Rutgers. And, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, you know. I think the British blew out Maryland when they came, in the War of eighteen twelve before they came back and the United States re re birthplace yeah. of college football. Yeah, re re reunited, reconnoitered, and got things together. But uh, all right, don't trust me now. Are they going to? Is Wisconsin going to win the West? I think. Uh, I think there's a good chance because right. I think if Penn State gets beats Minnesota, then the Wisconsin-Minnesota game, which is always one of the axe game, one of the great games out there, it's going to be. <laughs> that's that's That'll be fun. Yeah. I hope that it's on the line. For that, that is the axe game. And it's not yeah. It's not, It's not. not Wisconsin-Michigan, is it? Uh, no, it yeah. is. It's Wisconsin. Paul Bunyan's axe. I get all those mixed Minnesota up. Minnesota finally got it. P.J. Fleck, you know, last year Wisconsin struggles. Yeah. For all, the, for all the stuff I said about Wisconsin, I do get – I mean, they've turned it around pretty nicely this year. Yeah. The Illinois game was a huge debacle. For them, and it's it's out of character for their program, generally speaking. What happened on Saturday though was not. I just don't think that the Badgers can get to the same level as, as you ask State. anybody on the Ohio State uh, offensive or defensive lines though. That was a battle. They paid a price. They yeah. paid a price, yeah. and like we've talked about, what I'm looking at this Ohio State schedule, and boy, it's you know, for one another term, you got a couple of cupcakes. A couple of cupcakes. I like the way that sounds. I might start a, a, a <laughs> store like that. A couple, couple of cupcakes. <laughs> Top of the muffin to you. Um, but a couple of cupcakes. What are you going to do with the rest of the muffins? Maryland and Rutgers. Yeah, well, get to Kramer to take them away for me. <laughs> but I digress. But then there's a potential. If they take care of business, you got Penn State, Michigan, and a possible rematch with Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. 
Those are going to be three ridiculously physical games in a row for an Ohio State football team. It's uh, I don't know if you agree, but I mean, oh. they run that gauntlet. They deserve everything they have coming to There's them. There's no question. You, it's not like this is the ACC or something and Clemson gets to skate to the finish line. Ohio State is going to have to earn it. The SEC, when they're, their slogans and catchphrase about you know I'm, how much it means at the end of the year. I'm holding up my hand because yeah, people get mad when I interrupt you. One guy in particular, which I'd like to meet him in an alley one of these days, but uh, I digress. It's your show. You can interrupt me whenever You're, you want. Who, quick, quick quiz. Who does Alabama play the week before he plays Auburn? Well, I know the answer because I've heard you saying it every week. So <laughs> that's going to be a huge slugfest with Western Carolina. Western Carolina. Not only is Western Carolina bad, it may be one of the worst teams in the FCS. Yeah. So don't talk to me about gauntlets. Go well, ahead. Now. And it's our – and like – you and I get this all the time when people jump into our, our Twitter missions or emails or whatever. They are Ohio State's schedule to this point at 8-0 is still the toughest that any unbeaten team has played. It's not like they've they've walked through – they beat everybody by 20-plus points or whatever it is through for eight straight weeks. The only time somebody's done that in the Big Ten in, I don't know, 80 yeah. years, whatever it is. It's They're beating good teams. Cincinnati's going to finish in the top 25. They beat the doors off of them. Wisconsin, you're talking about they can still win the West. They they had one upset. They're six and two, but they're still in the top twenty five because everyone can see how good that team is in their defense. You know, whatever. Northwestern on the road. Northwestern sucks this year. Yeah. That's still not an easy place to play. And they get credit for that. You look at the I'm I'm just using the Sagarin rankings there. They're number one in strength of schedule amongst unbeaten teams. Well, but I'll tell you what, LSU's had the three more impressive wins of the season that's so fair. far. That's fair. If I was looking at the top ten right now, if I was voting, I don't vote in any of the polls, but if I was voting, uh, I would have a, I would have in my mind a conundrum, LSU or Ohio State for number one, because Ohio State has been incredibly impressive every game is played, but LSU has three impressive victories. Uh, I think I would put LSU there because the big games are what matter. Although Ohio State's coming off a 38-7 to bushwhacking yeah. of a team that some people were thinking could make a run for the national championship three weeks ago until reality struck. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have probably LSU, Ohio State, and then I would I would have Alabama because I can see Alabama coming on, et cetera. And then I would have maybe Clemson. Clemson with the easiest path uh, to the college oh, football playoff. Gosh, yeah. Their toughest test is going to be Wake Forest in a couple of weeks. Wake Forest is ranked. They've only got oh, one goody. loss. Wake Forest. Well, I'm just telling you. I know. I know. Wake Forest, uh, the campus is about as big as this room. <laughs> but uh, bottom line is they do have a – you know, but that's where they were last year too, and they got the job done. Here's what's great about the one versus one and two argument, which is going to start next Tuesday. Uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because LSU would go to Atlanta and Ohio State's going to go to What Phoenix. matters is the matchup you get because you'll get two gets three, one gets four. You're going to have to beat – Two good teams to win the national championship right. either way. And if Ohio State is number one, guess what? They're going to want to go to Phoenix anyway because they're going to be playing one of those southeastern teams. They have a huge fan base. They always turn out. They know the Fiesta Bowl. That will be their preference. Whether they're number one or number two, they're going to Phoenix. They're not going to Atlanta. I wish I'd bought a timeshare out there a long time ago because I've been to Phoenix how oh many gosh. times covering Ohio State football since 2000. It's That's, crazy. And I'm not just saying that they're going there because I love the Camelback and it's the best yeah. hospitality suite of any bowl game that's in existence. Yeah. Don't but, mention all that but that's, stuff. That's what's going to happen. So, like, people are going to get upset. They're going to look at it. I, it. That's part of the fun of college football. Who's number one? Who's number two? You make a great case for LSU at number one, I don't argue with it. But by the end of the year, you just talked about that gauntlet at the end. Ohio State will have earned a potential number one ranking. I think they're the most complete team. Well, LSU has had more chances to maybe prove it. Wait a minute, though. If LSU runs the table – LSU. Okay. I mean, they will have beaten Alabama. They they will have uh, they will have short-handed won. Alabama. They would have won short short ankled. They would have won the uh, SEC championship. Right. But okay. I think that would be a a definite conundrum. I like using that word. But again, like, for the for the committee, when they sit down and it's and they're making that, they're going to know that. You know, we're we're sending LSU to Atlanta and right. Ohio State's going there. Right. And flip a coin between three. Like I don't. Who cares about? Yeah, it's that? funny because Ohio State in that scenario. Ohio State ends up in Phoenix. You got to figure either way, right? Or in Scottsdale. Well, I can tell you, they they will want Clemson so so badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody always makes these comparisons and, and talks about Bama. They beat Bama in the Sugar Bowl. They're not worried about Alabama. And I'm not. And I'm not saying that to dismiss their program. The team that they want some blood from is Clemson. Twice in the last six years, uh, 
what happened in the Orange Bowl and what happened the last time in that Fiesta Bowl. And don't forget what happened in the Gator Bowl, Woody Hayes' last game. That is the team they want more than anything. Yeah. So however they get it, be, I'm uh, telling you, that's, well, the, that's the one. But I'm telling you, the possibilities of the playoff, and we'll, we'll end it yeah, with this. I mean, you know, you can comment on this. Ohio State versus LSU versus Joe Burrow. Are you kidding me? Ohio State versus Clemson. Are you kidding me? Ohio State versus Alabama. Are you kidding me? Uh, you talk about somebody wanting somebody. That's Alabama wanting Ohio State. Uh, I don't want to fast forward through a, a potential top five matchup with Penn State. I'm looking forward to that. But, boy, those storylines for December, I poof, bring, yeah. that, bring that on. Well, you know what? Uh, that comes to the end of our podcast. And, ladies and gentlemen, do not – think that I've forgotten about my challenge or my challenge of myself a week ago when I talked about the Uz and how the Uz would uh, – my official scorekeeper, um, Spencer Holbrook, the glue man, came up with – I think the number was uh, was was eight. But I think I, – I went back and did a recount. I think I had some slippery ones Ooh. in there last week. And I, think the I'm, I think I'm up into the 17s or 18s for last week. I haven't even – I totally forgot I'd even made that pledge this week, and so I probably am up in the double digits. But I'll have a little, I'll have a little pot sitting back here next week to show you the one dollar bills where I'm making it rain for the uh, Christina and Ryan Day uh, charity uh, to to help out for adolescent and uh, youth uh, mental well being. Uh, it's a great charity great to be a part of. Yep. I hope to give as little as possible to it. I hate to say that. I might do a matching thing with maybe a, a restaurant or somebody around town. But, uh, but uh, Boston, it's always a pleasure having you on my podcast, as you well know. Uh, a regular mentor. You're sort of – I'm just happy I'm just happy. I'm not going to say you're my Ed McMahon. You're more like my uh, guest host, Jay Leno, you know, with uh, Johnny Carson. Well, I'm not trying to steal your spot. Yeah, but no, but you do a very good job of making a shadow. So, uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I've really enjoyed this. Special thanks to Eddie George for joining the show. 1995 Heisman Trophy winner. Still one of the great individuals I've ever met in my life. Uh, we'll be back next week when Boston and I, among other things, we break down the Ohio State offense. Where can it go from here? Knock on wood, Justin Fields has stayed healthy through eight <laughs> games. He's taken, he's taken a licking yeah. but kept, kept on, on ticking. ticking. And, uh, and so we'll move on from there. But until then, this is Tim May. Again, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.